Have you ever thought about wilderness therapy for your son? Today's guests, including a boy who has gone through wilderness therapy, are here to give you a full picture of what leads up to that decision and how that decision plays out for not only the boy, but the family. Stay tuned. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. I don't know about you, but one of the most stressful things that I deal with on a nearly daily basis is what to make for supper. I was just going to ask you, what's for supper tonight, Jen? I don't know. I have no idea. It's almost noon, my time. I don't know. I need help in this department. And that is why I'm so thrilled that Cozy now has meal ideas, recipes right in the app that I can look at, I can add ingredients straight to my list, and I can meal plan on my calendar for the week. Okay, let's back up. Cozy is an app that helps you get organized. Calendars, doctor's appointments, and I think one of the best things, as you're saying, is grocery lists, your kids can add items to the grocery list and you can stand there in the grocery store going, oh my gosh, what am I making for dinner tonight? Pull up cozy and there's recipes and ingredients and you are ready to go. Anything that makes my life easier and is on my phone, which is with me almost all the time. Fantastic. Cozy, go to the app store. You can set up an account. You can add all of your children, you can add your spouse, anybody can add to the grocery list. You know, they all have their phones on them anyway. That's Let's for sure. Coordinate and communicate. It's cozy, C-O-Z-I. Download it from your app store and oh, meal planning just got so much easier. And now on boys, what do you do when you see your son on a path of destruction? when he's maybe self-harming or self-medicating with drugs and alcohol and nothing that you have tried so far has worked. 
Some parents choose wilderness therapy, which is sometimes known as outdoor behavioral health care, and you may hear some other terms as well. As some of you know, uh, several months ago, we interviewed Kenneth R. Rosen, a gentleman who was enrolled in a wilderness therapy program when he was a teenager. And he wrote a book about his experience called Troubled, The Failed Promise of America's Behavioral Treatment Programs. Now, after that episode aired, Jane, not her real name, she reached out to us and she said, you know, her son is currently enrolled in a wilderness therapy program. And she did not think that that episode fully represented the experience and asked if she could speak on behalf of thousands of parents that have placed, not sent, she emphasized, not sent their children to a behavioral treatment program. And our kids are thriving. Now, listeners, you know that parenting is challenging, and we know that there are no one-size-fits-all answers. Our goal here on On Boys has always been to present you with information and tools that you can use to make informed choices for your family. So today, we are talking with Jane, as well as Tammy and her son, TJ. TJ is 21. And he uh, did a wilderness therapy program nearly four years ago. And so Tammy, TJ, and Jane are here today to share their experiences and their perspectives with us. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for having us, Jen. We're happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Let's start here. Wilderness therapy, this is not a decision that is made lightly. Nobody just wakes up one morning and says, hey, guess what? So tell us, um, Jane, I'm going to let you start first. And then Tammy, you can chime in. Uh, Tell us, you know, what was happening? Why was this a consideration and then a choice that you made for your family? Yes, thanks. You know, we saw our, our son starting to spiral years ago and we, we, we tried everything we could from you know, therapists to coaches to talking to him to some more severe consequences. And it was everything from um, school avoidance uh, to we started noticing experimentation with drugs and alcohol, uh, the defiance of family rules. And it, it got to the point where my husband and I just didn't feel like we had control. We didn't feel like we had any influence over him. And then to compound everything, COVID hits. And that just was the the catalyst, right? That was, and I'm sure this is for many out there, but it, it just made everything so much worse. He was sneaking out when he wasn't supposed to. He was uh, just, it was just this cycle of dysfunction. And I think it got so bad that our family actually started to normalize it because Mm. we lived with it for so long. We didn't realize how bad it had gotten. And then he started having problems with the law. I remember somebody telling me this, I think it was his therapist that said, he's either going to be in a, an orange jumpsuit pretty soon or, or have an addiction problem. Like he's going down a really bad path. He was 14. He was 14. So 14 and already having these issues. And I, we, we were just at a loss. We were, we felt out of control. We just, the fear just took a hold of us. And I had a friend that had sent her, placed her son at a wilderness, uh, I believe the same one that TJ went to. And um, she 
she said it was wonderful. So we looked into it. We kind of had that in the back of our mind, but we kept giving our son chances to go to school to do, you know, and then when we finally, we just, I think that the final straw was when the school came back to us and said he was truant and that they were going to have to call social services on us because oh we couldn't get him to school. Oh and boy. that was the final straw. Say his mental health was priority. I, I appreciate you saying that um, because that is a point that we have made and emphasized on the show before. It is 100% totally not only okay, but often necessary. Prioritize your kids' mental health and your mental health over school. School and learning can happen at any time, but if the mental health piece is not there, like going to a building that is ostensibly about learning, it's not going to do anything for anybody. Tammy, I imagine a lot of that story uh, sounds very familiar to you. Yes, very similar. I think uh, we have this very similar story um, and it was about the same age, uh, TJ, about eighth or ninth grade was starting, we've, we noticed he, he just sort of had this blank look to his eyes. He started just seeming depressed. And I know I'm telling your story, TJ could tell it himself, but he, we, he started telling us that he was drinking cough syrup and we would find a bottle of vodka in his desk drawers. And we noticed he really needed some help. So we started with, we started with therapy. We started doing weekly therapy, which it helped for a little while. And then we would try family therapy, DBT therapy, and nothing seemed to work. And he, he was falling asleep in class. And we even tried sleep medications, which gave him really bad dreams. And what happened was, is a parent, you, you think, oh, we're, we're such cool parents. We're, we're laid back, but you become reactive parents. It becomes dysregulated in the household. Like you said, the, you, you start setting the bar low because you feel like, okay, well, it, you just get used to the way it is. And actually don't really, but he did sneak out of the house all the time. And I don't know if you want to tell about how you were feeling during that time. Yeah. Um, TJ, I'll, I'll leave it up to you because I'm telling your story. And I am real. We are all really interested in hearing your story because, you know, as yeah. parents, we know what that side feels like, but I'm so grateful that you're joining us because you can tell us what that was like from your perspective, you know, I'm sure your plan wasn't, let me see if I can terrify my parents and go down a spiral. And like, that wasn't your intention, I'm sure. Yeah, no, that's, it's a, that's a great point there. Um, it's, it's really not the initial intention, like in all that stuff to be, it's, it's not a, I, I want to hurt my parents. It's more of a, I want to escape from something. And it's, it's kind of difficult to describe that something that you're like escaping from, but it's uh, like people kind of put labels on it, like depression or anxiety or whatever. But a lot of those are kind of like labels and the real, like the real, like, experience is is kind of deeper than that it's it can be uh really confusing and we use these ways like these terms to uh generalize but i think that every single person's experience is different um for me like my my experience is that my, my brain will go spiral 
um, I'll overthink stuff in my and uh, it, it'll make make it hard to be content, I guess. Um, and it, it's it's I, for a while I, I've done uh, I've gone through the the AA program and and uh, learned what I had to what, what I can from that. The AA program can be used for many different things like so I, I was I was using it for for my uh, my weed addiction and it, it really was one of the things was um, that 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 really stuck with me was that before we like before we found um, ways of coping with our our thoughts and our emotions um, like we were irritable and discontent and um, it, it, it makes it makes you seek out external things to cope with that you know um, I found myself nodding as you're talking my brain does that same thing like I can spiral myself down like a pro yeah um and you know when you talked about there's really not words for it or sometimes words like depression or anxiety get put on it but there's more and I mean certainly at 14 especially you don't know what is it who knows like every day is is different you just know you feel and pardon my language you feel like shit sometimes and so i can see how you know from your perspective and you are just trying to get through the day yeah it's a great point every day is different even after treatment and after going through countless hours of therapy and of uh months of treatment it's it's not like a, it, it gets to be perfect you know like i still suffer with uh depression and um not not like suicidal thoughts but it's kind of always a thing in your brain you know it's just mm -hmm. kind of like the way my brain's wired to be like want to escape from it mm -hmm. um, and the, the the really the really big key is just to find healthy coping mechanisms to to that what wilderness um kind of instilled in me was a uh using like meditation and in yoga or other exercise um as well as getting out into nature to come to peace like with your own brain i have a feeling that if when you were 14 ish 15 ish right and you are doing your best to get through the day and you at some point tried weed and that helped from your perspective, right? You're not feeling those bad feelings anymore. I have a feeling that somewhere along the line, maybe your parents did say, hey, TJ, let's try meditation. Hey, TJ, let's develop some healthy coping mechanisms. Um, you know, at that point, things weren't clicking for your family. I know, like, you know, your parents love you, your parents loved you. And at that point, yet nothing was really helping. Yeah, well, the thing is, when I was in, when it, when I was in that, it was uh, it it wasn't like I'm 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 smoking weed. Uh, I I wasn't really thinking like I'm smoking weed uh, all the time because I am trying to escape. So I need these healthy yeah. mechanisms. It's more like my friends and I want to go get stoned, and we're gonna go get like we're gonna go get high, and then like. Uh, do something you know yeah like, yeah it's kind of like partying you know 
um but a lot of times it was that um it was it, it was like i i like for i i really don't think that for a lot of people um smoking weed is a bad like like necessarily a bad thing like i just think that for me like specifically weed is something that my brain's like okay that is easy like i can i can everything feels okay once i smoke weed so um i want to do this a lot well and we humans all of us adults children teenagers easy is always better than hard right almost always we're going to default to what's easier than the, the hard part because that's how we are all wired as humans so I want to go back to Jane you mentioned you know it kind of becoming in in some sense sort of used to the dysfunction that's going on in your house uh kind of be, you know reacting I think everybody listening like you can see how very quickly this becomes a a negative and unhelpful cycle because We've experienced it as parents. Many of us experienced it as teens, right? We know that our teens telling us what we should do is not helpful. We know that as a teenager, we're like, screw you. I'm going to do whatever I want. You both did your research. You tried a lot of other things. And, you know, you reached the point where you said, I think this is what we are going to do for our family. The process of getting a kid to wilderness therapy is a bit of a process. TJ, your parents knew that you were going to wilderness therapy before you did. I knew the day of. I knew yes. when I woke up at 4.30 in the morning. So uh, let's back up for a minute. Tammy, share with us how this went in your family and why. And then TJ, I really want to hear your perspective on this also. Well, it started, the thought process started when he was a freshman of 14 or 15 because a friend of mine who knew somebody who placed her son in a wilderness program, she, she sort of planted the idea in my head. And she also had an educational consultant for her daughter because her daughter went to a residential program. So I never thought it'd be something I would do, but I would hear my friend talk about her daughter's experience going to a residential treatment center. But it was never, it was never gonna be for me, but I would always listen to her. She sort of planted the idea in my head because her friend's son went to a wilderness program. So I always thought, well, maybe I should just have this plan in the back of my head in case I needed it in the future. Like maybe this should be like a game plan later on. And so it was always sort of in the back of my head. I did meet with an educational consultant, but we, you know, we never did anything about it. So I think we had to be, we had to have a few more years of ups and downs uh, we had to try everything we could. I mean, he had a great therapist, but she got to a point where she she almost kind of fired him because he wasn't using the skills, the DBT skills, dialectical behavior therapy that she was teaching him. Define DBT because a lot of people may not be familiar with that. So DBT is a type of therapy by, it, it was created by Marsha Lynham and it was in the first place, it was to help with, I guess, with uh, borderline. borderline personality, but it also became such a big process with therapy because it's it's sort of like it teaches you skills. Instead of telling a therapist what your problems are little by little, you really just learn skills to regulate your emotions. Like you learn communication skills, like how to communicate, validation, learning how to validate someone's feelings or learning how to use I feel statements and 
So TJ was in this therapy program and I'm sure you talked to the therapist as well. And you're like, here's all these great skills. And the therapist is getting frustrated because they're not being put into action. And, you know, I can't keep working with you if you're not going to do your part. Well, we were putting them into action and we actually were doing family therapy too, all of us. Um, And we were, we, 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 it did help, but it just wasn't enough. And what else we did? We, 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 he got an IEP at school to help him with, you know, he'd fall asleep in class and get behind. I mean, he had executive functioning. You, you finally made the decision. You, you worked with an educational consultant and, and you found this is the place. Um, you and your husband knew this is going to happen. And TJ didn't at that point. And I think there's, there's, reasons for that can you can you elaborate why things usually happen that way the, the main reason why it wasn't really working for me uh was because not, not, none of the skills and none of the 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 therapy really was it was it was helping a little bit but it wasn't like I couldn't really get fully into it because uh I wasn't receptive to it like I wasn't willing to get help because I didn't think I had a problem with, I didn't, I, I didn't think I had much of a problem, even like I, I convinced myself, I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, it's fine. If a kid's not like willing or like doesn't really want help is, is defined from that, then it's just, it's, it, there's a limit to what you can do. And that's a main reason why uh, wilderness is, is one of the only options after you try therapy, because um, wilderness or other therapy programs where like they kind of have to be there um, are really effective for young people because like uh, if you're under 18 like you're still under your parents legally they get to make the decisions for you at that point in time once you're over 18 like it's you're all on your own you know and your parents can cut you off and you can and you can cut your parents off I mean they you you can can do what you want you can, you can mess up your life or you can make your life as good as it can be. Um, and that's when you, like, you kind of figure out you need to, you need to get yourself help. But before then, like once you're, when you're like for kids, like, uh, or under 18, it's wilderness is pretty effective because that's like one of the only places where it's like, well, you're not willing to get help, but help, help is being, you get help. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing. And your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. 
Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys, and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. Jane, did your son know that he was going to wilderness therapy before he went to wilderness therapy? Oh, no. (laughs) Now, I I just want to interject here for a minute because talking this through, it makes perfect sense. I have teenagers, right? So if I tell a teenager that I am going to make them do something they don't want to do, they're going to resist in every way possible. And if things are all ready to this point, I mean, frankly, I would be concerned about the kid running away at that point would be my concern. Yes. I have a runner. Ah, (laughs) Um, Yes. And so, you know, when the school started contacting us saying, you know, we're going to have to call services on you guys. And, you know, my husband and I were throwing up our hands saying we're doing everything. And we were were also in the process of trying to get him an IEP at at that time as well. We kind of said to our son, very, not so very subtle hints, like if you don't engage with us and start participating on a level with your dad and I about why you're not going to school or, or, you know, sharing with us what's going on with you, we're going to have to make some decisions that are going to impact your life without your input. So we dropped those mm-hmm. lines to him all mm-hmm. the time. And he just sat there with his technology. We also uh, sought out an educational consultant as well. We researched transport teams. I had never heard of these before. I never knew they existed. This right, is not would something you? they like, hand you when your baby boy is born. They don't say, by the way, no. in a decade or so, you might need to know what a transport team is. No, they think to make yeah. sure you can strap a car seat in a car, then you can go home. Right, right. And so we quickly found out what a transport team was, and there's several, and they provide a very valuable service for parents. They are in charge of getting your child from point A to point B. It can be to a wilderness program. It can be picked up from somewhere, brought to an airport to get the child on an airplane. It can be brought between schools. I mean, you name it. There's all sorts of reasons they're involved. What I hear over and over from people who don't understand it is they feel like it's a kidnapping. And it's, it's really not. It's the most safest way we felt we could get our son to a program that he was not willingly going to go to. If we had told him up front our plans and what we were doing, he would have been out that door. Boom, out that door. And we knew him well enough that that's what would have happened. So these, these teams are designed to, you know, you let them into your house. It's usually early in the morning, um, depending on how far they have to go and where they need to go. Well, and, and also because... Case, if you want to surprise a teenager, do it early in the morning because yeah. none of them are up then. Yes, that's the other reason. So we had about a five, six hour drive ahead of us, what the transport team did. So we didn't have the air, the, the airport kind of uh, situation. And they came in and their job is we went in first to our son's room. We woke him up. Of course, he's groggy. He didn't know what he told us to get out of his room. Um, we just said, you know, I was holding it together. I just I wasn't crying yet. I just said, I love you. And these men, and I introduced who they were. I said, are here to transport you to a program to get you help that you need. Cause your dad and I feel like we can't give you that help anymore. And so we introduced the men, they came in, 
they sat down with our son and they said they were quiet. Our daughter was sleeping in the other room. She didn't hear a thing. They were quiet. They just sat with him and they just said, we're not leaving, but we'll wait for you however long it takes you to get ready. And they advised him like, get some clothes on and and come with us. And he was confused. He was like, what, who are you? Where am I going? I'm not going anywhere with you. Get the F out of my room. He was getting a little confrontational. Like, who are you? What? But they were very calm. They kept, they had him in their car. And I, we got out of the, got out of our house because I was emotional at that point. And they advised us. They said, sometimes it's better if you go out and get a coffee and we'll just text you when we've got him on the road. And that's what they did. It was seven minutes, seven minutes without any fight, nothing. They had him in the car. They texted us. They said, we've got him. He's quiet. He's, he's asking lots of questions now. Like, where am I going? Who, what did it? And they, they told him very abbreviated. They're like, your parents have chosen this, this program for you, this wilderness program. And then they drove them there and, and they stop along the way and they get food. It's not torture. If a child does become extremely violent or tries to harm, harm themselves or them, they will use, they will have to restrain them. But I think those situations are very uh, few. I think it's more, honestly, it, the, the parents have more anxiety process, honestly, than, than anyone. I want sense. to hear, I really want to hear TJ's perspective here because I can see how, you know, as a parent, like, no, this is not kidnapping. Like this is, this is a plan but I can see how to a kid, it might feel like kidnapping. So I really want to hear your perspective on this, TJ. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've known a lot of people that have gone through that experience and uh, I've, I've, I've gotten plenty of, of, uh, of good stories that, when it comes to that. But uh, I think that for the most part, it seems like for me, I did not get, tra- I did not get the, the transport service. And uh for me, I kind of wish I did because it would have been more straightforward. Uh, so yeah. let's let's clear up your your experience. Um, your parents basically served as your transport service. You still didn't know where you were going. They kind of woke you up and said, "Hey, we're going on a trip." Yeah, basically, I I woke up. It was the day after my seventeenth uh, birthday, and uh, my friend had just given me this uh, this five hundred milligram edible uh for brownie like uh for like weed brownie and um which is a, a very high dose uh brownie so i'm like i want to they, they wake me up they're like we're going somewhere uh i'm like oh, okay okay they're like it were, i think it was like they told me something about going to some depression seminar or something or camp and uh i was, I was like crap i don't want them to find my uh brownie so i eat the whole thing and just to get rid of it and uh, I, I'm like the whole, the whole. You I guys, don't remember any you guys, you can't, you can't see what's going on. But Jane is is laughing because like it does sound funny. And TJ, in telling it, you know it is too. And like yeah. all of us are like, I mean, yeah, that's that's 14, 15 year old thinking. It makes perfect sense. Hide the evidence, but yeah, I'm sure that hit, didn't it? Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was still feeling high the next day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, was, I, I barely, I ba- basically like woke up in the w- wilderness. Like I don't, I, it was, I was like, it was like a, like, I guess you'd call it greening out. Like it was like a blackout, but you're just like, I, I didn't really comprehend anything until I was like in 
I like I see my dad being like, bye. <laughs> like I, I won't, once we get to Colorado and like I'm with these like uh I appreciate I think I was perceiving them like with these hippies, like sure. with long hair, and uh we're going somewhere. I have no idea what's happening. Like and uh yeah, no, it's it's the transport service, it seems like it would be a lot more straightforward because uh you don't have time to to like they're like we're going let's like like and it's not there's nothing like no manipulating your parents you know uh trying to get out of something doing something uh it's just straightforward because let's be real at that point you're pretty damn good at manipulating your parents oh yeah for sure um and it's that's that's uh you're, you're still trying to manipulate them like even like at, once you're at wilderness trying to like write letters and be like Get the fuck out of here, you know. Well, let's talk <laughs> about that. That's one of my big, big questions. So, uh, Tammy and TJ, you guys are collaborating on a book about your experience, and in this book, you include excerpts of letters and and text messages that you sent to each other. And uh, I think it is fair and an understatement to say you weren't happy about being there, TJ. And I don't think there's really probably any or many kids who their first thought when they get there is like, oh, thank you, mom and dad. I am so glad you did this. Instead, it's much more likely to be a string of curse words and these feelings expressed in paper and whatever other measures you have of like, you're expressing these feelings of anger and betrayal. Like, how could you do this to me? Even, I think it's even less anger or it's less, less betrayal because I mean, it's like, it, it was, it was, I, I knew it was like my fault. Like, I was like, I, 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 I did I, you know that at the moment? And I'm asking, yeah. like, I know you're 20, 21 now, but did you know oh, that when you were 15? Yeah. I, I knew I was being a, a prick. Like I was, okay. I, I, I had, I knew I had put my mom and dad through a lot. And, uh, but I, 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 I mostly just felt anger in a selfish way because I'm like, God damn it. I'm here for three months I'm here for three months and it's like three months is not even that long I was I was away from home like I did not I never came back home like I didn't live at home uh and back like I was like I have to I have to I'm living here for the next three months like I'm not going to be living at home for the for what well three months is a long time especially when you're 14 15 you know you're, yeah. you're very you're focused on the uh, immediate future like you had yeah. friends you had things you were gonna do so I'm stuck yeah. here. Yeah, it's it it seems like a long time. Um, but in the scheme of things, like with for me, it was weed, but for especially people like uh that are are on harder stuff. I had I had friends that had uh were were doing like pills and heroin and and were trying meth and like three months for them is uh gains like a lot more life, you know. It's a small price to pay for uh, a chance at like at, at being free from from that addiction and that cycle you're never truly free from it like you like especially when when you're on 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 like harder stuff a lot of I've known a lot of people uh with a lot of different experiences and um for the most part it's a uh it's it's a fight every it's like a fight every day it's 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 work every day like you have to clean house all the time Changing a habit, even if that habit is something as stupid as like chewing on your fingernails, is extremely difficult. 
So yeah. if your habit is rooted in something like just not feeling good, uh, biochemical, you know, issue in your brain, and then you're surrounded in this culture where these things are so available, that is hard. Anybody who manages to break any kind of addiction has my utmost respect because that is hard. Jane, I want to hear about your experience um, with your son. I don't imagine that first letter home was, I love you, mom. Thanks. No. In fact, there's kind of a joke in the, in the process that parents are, are waiting for the, the bail me out letter and they, they peg it. These, the therapists at these programs will give you, your, your teen will give you three scenarios, either like, I'm good. I've learned what I need to learn. Get, bring me home or the F you letter. Or the, um, you know, like everyone else is worse me, mom, this place abusive. So you'll get either like those three scenarios, one of those three, you will get that answer. And we, sometimes we make sure of each. So we got a lot of anger in the beginning, but like TJ pointed out, our son pretty early on owned up what he, his partment and his accountability in it. Um, he was still very angry at it, at uh, just his situation, not so much maybe at us. He kind of understood the why behind it, he was more angry at the situation. Like he, we sent when, when he went to wilderness, he was there in the winter months over the holidays. Mm. That's really hard. It wasn't being cold. It was, it was just that he was out in these elements that were, that were hard and they really let natural consequences over. Like you build a not so great shelter, you get rained on, that's natural consequences. There was a lot of back and forth between the therapist, the Zoom calls and the letter writing. But eventually we got to a point where there's an acceptance phase. You know, it's that it's the it's the phase of accepting, taking accountability for your actions and for families as it gives, it's a pause. It's a pause button for the family. The, the child or the teen that's struggling is removed from a possibly toxic environment, whether that's your family, whether that's your peers, whether it's technology, whether it's drugs they're removed and they get to have, they're in a, a physically good setting that's safe for them. They're be, eating healthy food. They're getting probably more exercise than they've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. And they're getting therapy snuck in. The therapy is when they're hiking along. They're not just sitting there in an office with four walls talking to a therapist. Their therapy is constantly throughout the 24 hours, whether it's through the peer groups that they're walking with, whether it's a learning moment of, I can't get my shelter right. Or Mm. um, complaining you don't want to hike anymore. And the rest of your group looks at you like, well, we got to hike to our next camping spot. You know, like you're just constantly faced with decisions throughout your whole day. And therapy is woven in at every moment. It's a different type of therapy other than like you just sitting in a really clinical setting with the four walls. And then for the parents perspective, real quick, it just, it gives us a chance to just breathe. I slept the best I've ever slept when he was away because I knew he was safe. I knew he wasn't sneaking out. I knew he wasn't using substances. He was safe. He was unhappy and that's okay. And the biggest takeaway that I have learned in this whole process is that I cannot control my son's feelings. I cannot control his choices. I can only control how I react to him. And that has been life altering. The realization and the self-awareness on myself is huge. TJ, I can see that you have things that you want to say, and I want to hear your perspective of the, the flip side. I was just saying that it sounds like she uh, that she went to wilderness therapy. 
Like it's, I, I don't know how you uh, express that in, in such um, coherent terms because it's, that's a, it's a hard thing to express. Yeah. It's uh, the wilderness, the, the, the therapy really is woven into, to, uh, through all parts of it because just even living out there and backpacking um, I'm sure that the, I, I'm not really sure what the history of like of the people that started with like the first wilderness therapy, but I'm sure that they, they understood that even like living out in the wilderness, it brings with it like a therapy in a way, it, you like know, a therapy in a sense, just I've that. never gone to wilderness therapy and I haven't done an official backpacking trip yet plan to I've done hiking though. And one thing that I know about hiking and like longer hikes is like, there are times it sucks. There are times it is physically uncomfortable, mentally, you are not having fun anymore, but there's something to be said, like you do it and then you realize, okay, I can survive hard things. And I can see how simply that part of the wilderness is valuable. And then you add in all those other layers, of course, of actual, uh, you know, emotional support and skills learning in, in, in group experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wilderness therapy is like that uh, times times a hundred. Yeah. It's with, because you're out there in like the wilderness hiking in either the snow or the hot summer it is honestly miserable a lot like a, a good amount of the time it's hard like it's not it's not an easy it's not an easy experience but it is not a luxury no, glamping experience is it no experience worth having is easy you know you can have like 10 years where you don't do much growing or you can have a cup like a couple months where mm. you do 10 years worth of growing you know like I think that the, the that that three months in the wilderness like probably like if I, if I if I if I hadn't do that done that I have no idea where I would have been like now um, it really did teach me a lot about myself and a lot about just how to live in a positive way it kind of started to instill in me some um, sense of of discipline I guess because I think that discipline is the key to happiness which when i say discipline i mean uh even though you don't want to do something you do it anyway because mm -hmm. you have to yeah that's like I that's was... the key to anything because a lot of a lot of stuff that i even do now that i like it, that like for my future like it's it's not something that i exactly want to do but it's it's something that i do because i, I get that i mean I am in the process of writing a book right now. Let me tell you, it's miserable more often than it's not. I do not enjoy every moment of that process. But if I don't do that work, I can't get to the end part, which, I mean, there's a lot of pride in knowing that you have created something or maybe created something that helps somebody. And in the same way, like going to college, for instance, uh, you know, the actual taking of classes and all of that, that's not necessarily fun. You like, you deal with a lot of things that you don't want to do and learning how to persist through discomfort is an important life skill. And what I hear you saying is that's one of the things that you learned. I mean, you almost absorb that part by being in the wilderness. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, just like Jane was saying, 
there's a there's natural consequences out in the wilderness it's a uh for a lot of times i'd like sometimes i'd build crap shelters and uh i i'd wake up with snow on my face or some again with the shelters like sometimes we fly away i have to run and go grab it with like in my underwear you know yeah shortcuts are not paying off necessarily i think i built a shelter on the side of a mountain once and i, li- I learned about water tension because uh, <laughs> it all of a sudden it started I, I saw like oh it might rain tonight i'm gonna build a, a shelter on the side of the uh, mountain wall and uh all of a sudden at, at 3 a.m just water starts coming down seeping into my sleeping bag from the mountain i'm like ah crap so i have to in the, it like wall terrain and go set up another one you have to learn how to uh build I'd, a good backpack or it's gonna just get just destroyed you have to rebuild it um you learn you learn a lot about um doing things the right way you know the first time thinking before you take action what is that saying um where it's hard now easy later or easy now hard later mm. so set things up and like even just on your daily basis you have your house set up you're you're cooking and you have everything prepped ahead of time and it makes your cooking experience a lot easier if you have it already but if you don't and you know sometimes i'm cooking and i have i'm grabbing stuff out of the fridge and i'm things are getting hot on the pan and i'm trying to cut it but anyway so it's the same kind of thing with anything in life Jane, what were you going to say? I saw I saw thoughts on your face as well. Well, TJ brought up some points in about timeline. And I think that the, the programs, what I want parents to understand is these programs are not forcing change on you or your teen. Instead, they invite the change to happen. But the teens do it in their own timeline. And some teens, you know, take a lot longer to process their change and others do it in a quicker. So it, so you're not purchasing this like outcome per se. You are, you're really investing in the process and that takes a long time. And I know that um, kind of like the baking of the bread, you know, metaphor where if, if you, if your child is, you know, begging you to bring them home before they're quote done, before they're fully mm-hmm. cooked and done with the treatment, then you're just losing all that work. But if you, you know, if you wait until the time is right, then you have those, you create those deep internal changes. Time plays a big factor in all this. And that's why these programs are set up for the three months. And then even at the end of the three months, there is a, oftentimes there's a second step, which is called aftercare. I want to back up for just one moment, because after you sort of explained some benefits of this program, TJ said, it sounds like you went to wilderness therapy because you learned all of that. And I think a really important point that you have all made, this isn't something that is done to your kid. And this most certainly is not a magic solution, right? This is a process And even though your child may be in one location and you are in another, the family has to be involved because without family involvement, frankly, I mean, if the child goes somewhere and learns stuff, but the family environment and the home environment, and by home environment, I'm including, you know, peers in school, everything else stays the same. It will be very hard 
to maintain whatever positive changes happened. Their fantastic quote, if you would allow me to read it, as part of the process in this, the parents are engaged in a lot of their, in their own work alongside their teen. They do work, they read books, they're required to do it. And one of this great uh, puzzle piece analogy, if you will, is, is from uh, Tim Thane, who wrote a book called Not By Chance. And it's, he said, picture the family system as a puzzle with different pieces, being the individuals in your family, the environment, the friends, technology, and so on. And your teen is the puzzle piece in the center. Imagine you take him or her out of the middle of that puzzle and mold, change, and reshape that piece through the therapeutic process of treatment. When it is returned to the puzzle, if the pieces surrounding that reshaped piece are rigidly holding the same shape as before, those surrounding pieces will cause the malleable one to eventually return to its former shape to fit in. The whole needs to be adapted to fit the newly shaped piece. The surrounding pieces are the ones that need to become malleable to create a space that invites the returning piece to retain its new and improved shape. That is a really- I think that's beautiful. Yeah, that's, it's so well expressed and visual. It's, ama- it's beautiful. Yeah. If it's you beautiful. don't change, if the parents don't change in this process, I feel personally, that is why a lot of people do not have good experiences in these programs is because the family members, whether they're parents, guardians, didn't change alongside with their team. Yeah, I think that that's one of the reasons that people don't or get have have negative experiences with it. There's for sure something to be said with of uh, bad experiences or bad programs, which I I I know there's like a, a movement around wilderness therapy that is is very anti wilderness therapy. Um, but I for for the most part, I think that. Like there, there, there are those, those same problems exist in every single other piece of the world that there, there's so many, there's so many people that get, uh, have positive experiences or at least learn something and to take back into their regular life that though, that it's, it's, you, you have to really look at it in, in a, in a broader sense. Um, the main thing is when, when you go back to your normal, your normal life, like this, it's, it's kind of like what we are doing with COVID. Like it's not going to be normal. It's a new normal. I was really nervous to go back to like regular life or when I first got to wilderness, I, it was crazy to me that I would be gone for three months. I never went back home, never, never lived back at home for the rest of high school. Like right after aftercare, which is like the boarding kind of boarding school type thing that you go to after wilderness, I moved to Santa Barbara and went to Santa Barbara City College. And um, I I lived in Isla Vista, which is a big party town. And I lived in uh, this house, it's like a a sober house uh, where everybody is trying to get help. What that really uh, taught me was, it it was probably the best thing I I could have done because um I was around uh like I at any point in time I could have gone like uh, I had friends that were like smoking weed you know and uh I had friends that were partying all the time but I also had friends that like were in the program AA and uh so it it, it really taught me that the people that you're with like it's like you don't have to do everything that they're doing you know it's it's uh it, it taught me to to think for myself and be an individual mm-hmm. in- you uh, mentioned earlier, Tammy, I think you mentioned it first and, and Jane, you may have done this as well. You know, you mentioned uh, 
using an educational consultant who helped you sort of explore and learn about what the options are out there. Because again, nobody gives you this information when you have a child and you think you're never going to need it. And this is this huge, overwhelming, specialized world on some level that you know you don't know. You know you want your kid to be safe and healthy and well, and you know you want a good program. And sure, we've all heard stories that there are there are bad everythings, right? There are good doctors, there are bad doctors. There are good hospitals, there are other hospitals that you maybe don't want to go to. It can be so hard to sort through all of that and just overwhelming. So I'm interested in your thoughts, um, Tammy and Jane, on how do you find an educational consultant you can trust? How do you know it's somebody you can trust? You know, how do you do this due diligence and have some level of, of confidence that this is reliable information versus this is somebody who wants my money and will tell me, you know, whatever I want to hear to get that money? Well, <clears throat> yes, there are those people. And like you said, there's, there's always the bad apples in the bunch. And first of all, I have to say I was really lucky because I had a friend that just had a great educational consultant and she pointed me in the right direction right from the beginning. So I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have that. I'd never even heard of an educational consultant before. And even if you did, you wouldn't know what that term really meant. Like educational right. consultant is so damn general. What does that mean? I know it sounds like for college or, you know, but they're specialized therapeutic educational consultants. They don't really say therapeutic. When they say it, they usually call themselves ECs. If you're, if you don't have that friend that can refer you, of course you, you could do your online research. There's Facebook groups that can help you give you the referrals, or there's also a website, educational consultant, IECA, and they have a list of all of the educational consultants. But of course, you're going to hear all about all of the educational consultants. It's better just to ask around and, and find out and call a whole bunch of them because some that, you know, might be my educational consultant might not be great for another person because, you know, one of the things I wanted to say about wilderness therapy, it's not only for kids that do drugs. Drugs are just a symptom of a problem. You know, I think there's a misconception about wilderness therapy, about it being for drugs. And I actually had that misconception because I was worried if I said to him, he would learn all kinds of new drugs, which he did, but I mean, it wasn't really, I mean, like he's shaking his head. He's like, mom, I knew those. No, we have access to the internet. So, well, there's a lot of misconception about it. And I actually, even with local therapy or your local therapists, providers, like psychiatrists, a lot of doctors, they just don't even know about wilderness therapy, or they have a misconception about it from the from the internet or from, from all the documentaries and the books that are out, they, they have a misconception and they blanket all programs as being abusive. And, you know, they don't really understand or, or have the knowledge of the local, the local therapists don't really have a lot of knowledge. So I'd actually asked when I'd heard about wilderness therapy, I had asked his psychiatrist, I asked his therapist and all of them were hesitant about it. And they, they actually, that's why it took me actually two years to, to find a program. Jane, talk about that process for, for you. Like, how did you navigate this? And what would you most importantly advise other parents in terms of how do you figure out who to trust? What's reliable information? This seems to be the question of the 21st century too, by the way. Jane, what is your advice and experience with navigating the system? 
I think like with anything, you got to do your research. I interviewed, I interviewed, let me back up. I first found an online support group of other parents that were on this journey who were further along in this journey than I was, because frankly, your current friends and your family, they don't get it. They just can't even understand it. And they don't even possibly agree with your decision to place your child in these situations. So I sought out my own support group. And within that support group, I got recommendations. And then I followed up and I interviewed them, just like you would interview for anybody who, you know, I just interviewed them, I asked them questions. And I think a lot of the of issues that, that these teens struggle with, it's because they have an underlying issue. And in our son's case, it's a special needs. It was learning deficits that started out, we started seeing a decline in school very early. And that's where all of his issues have stemmed from. So when I finally found the educational consultant we chose to go with, she had a fantastic knowledge of um, learning deficits, executive function. And so that helped us tremendously in our placements for him for aftercare and what environment he would most thrive in. And I think that that's the biggest thing is it's a very lonely process because your whole family is unraveling at the seams and no one knows what's going behind closed doors and your four walls. And so you've got to find your tribe. You've got to find other people that have gone through this experience and preferably other people that are a little ahead of their journey than you. So finding that support group is essential. I found it online because it was COVID and you know nobody was right. doing anything but online. So we found this, I found this online group. I was asking questions. People were answering, asking advice. I was interviewing you know, people. And the educational consultant that we chose is not local to us. She's in another state. But she has the bandwidth with all these programs. And the other thing is I, you make sure you ask them, they're not getting kickbacks from those programs and you make sure that it's an excellent you, point to, to you ask, ask them that. Oh yeah. You ask like, do you get any sort of benefits or kickbacks from referring someone to these programs? And they say no. And then you also want to look at the accreditations that these programs, they have these seals on the bottom of their website. You want a good program that has all these accreditations that, that have all the certifications that they went through to be a certified good program. Some parents have their school districts help paying for their wilderness or their aftercare through their school district, through their special education. I wish that was more of a majority. I wish it was more like that, but unfortunately it isn't. But some some, uh, parents didn't really get the choice because their school districts kind of told them, we'll pay for it if you go here. Yeah. And so there's lots of different pathways. And I think what the educational consultant does is it just, you're so overwhelmed. You're in a state of crisis. You you don't know where to turn. And the educational consultant is like your beacon. It's like, they're the ones that are just shining the light in all the different paths, funneling all the information to you in a concise way that you can absorb. She gave us five wilderness programs to choose from that she thought was a good fit. Then it was up to me to interview all the five programs and even go so far as I interviewed each therapist that would be my son's primary therapist. I interviewed all of them. And then one of them just felt good. You just know that feeling when you got the click with the therapist and they, you feel like they're going to get your kid and you understand it and you go with kind of your gut on that. That's how it worked in my situation. You have all lived this experience of you know, your family is unraveling at the seams. You feel out of control. You do not know what to do. Jane, you brought up such a good point about a lot of us feel such acute shame too, right? You don't, 
I mean, when somebody else is talking about their kid being on the honor roll, the last thing you want to do is say, well, I don't know where my kid is right now. I don't know what he is doing. I'm terrified that he's not going to live to the end of this year. And yet being able to connect with other people and be honest with, with somebody is really the only way you're going to get through that. So what I want to hear uh, from each of the three of you, and we need to wrap up. I realize we've been talking for a long time already. I want to hear from each of you what your advice is based on your experiences for families who are at that point. You are at this. I feel like my family is unraveling at the seams. I feel like I've tried everything. What one, two, maybe three things would you tell that that family to do now? Well, my first advice would always be to hire, if you can, an educational consultant, because I wouldn't be able to recommend any program because everybody is so different. Mm -hmm. There are so many programs throughout the country. There are probably maybe 40 wilderness programs and they all specialize in different things. And also you don't want to just pick one program you don't know the therapists. Well, with the educational consultants know all the therapists or they have ones they know will fit with a certain type. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, some programs with a great therapist might be full at the time. And these groups only yeah. have about maybe eight to 10 or eight to 12 people in a group. Well, that group might be full. So there's just so many elements to it. So I would recommend hiring a specialist to help you with that for the best result. You want the best therapist. You want the best milieu of kids. You don't want to put your kid that is uh, maybe dysregulated because they are cutting themselves and they may, or maybe they're a little quiet or soft. You, you don't want to put them with a bunch of kids that, that are, you know, more ODD or you, you just want to have the right combination of kids. Mm-hmm. So if, so anyway, so basically hire a specialist is what I would recommend. Jane, what would you say? I agree with uh, those points, uh, educational consultant, and find your, find a support group that understands what you're going through. And and I know, I think I just started by like mine was I talked to this woman that had placed her child in one of these programs. I asked her. She said, "Oh, there's an online group you can try to join. Join that." I I just and you just start finding your your support group because the shame is paramount. And that's Mm -hmm. something you have to, as, uh, your, that's your own internal work that you got to get, you've got to work on. And I think the biggest takeaway from me is that you have to be, the parents have to be prepared to do their work alongside their teen. It's not a time to sit back and watch their teen change. They got to get deep within themselves and it gets icky. They have to come to terms with how they're, they contributed to their destructive with their teen and it's because we started to would say moms in general are more enablers and they're more enmeshed than and they they contribute to that cycle of destruction because we were parenting out of fear and out of anxiety and then once you get removed and you start looking deep in your own self and maybe even looking at how you were raised or how your parents raised you there's this deep embed you start to just really do some work on yourself and that can be eye-opening and hard to take. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's hard to put a mirror up to your face and to see how you contributed to your teen struggles. And we all did because of how we reacted 
to their behaviors and their behaviors were a symptom of something larger, but we have to take a, we have to put a mirror up to our own face. And if you're not prepared to do that, this will not be successful for you. If you're not ready to do that, it is not worth spending the money on it at this point in time. Correct. I will say it is uncomfortable as that whole holding up the mirror is like, there is something for me. And I can tell for each of each of you, there's something about having kids and my love for them that made me brave in a way I was not before. I wasn't going to look at all that stuff for myself, even though it was affecting my own life. But I was able to do some of that because I could see it affecting my kids. And so my first motivation was I want to help my kid. But guess what? It helped my life too. And then it helped our family as a whole. And so I want to, I want to put that encouragement out there for parents because as uncomfortable as this is, for one, you're already uncomfortable, right? You're not, you're not having these discussions or decision because life is great right now. Things aren't working. Discomfort may be part of the process. TJ, I want to hear from you. Yeah, no, I, I think that wilderness therapy is a great, um, a great tool for parents to use for, and children, like people that are lucky enough to be able to send their kids to wilderness to be able like to do that. Like, it's a great thing. Um, but I, I did want to acknowledge that not, not like, like a lot of people are not able to, to do that. Like a lot of people aren't, aren't, um, aren't in a position to be able to maybe like afford a wilderness therapy program, or, um, maybe they, for, for one reason or the other, just are not able to do that. Um, and for a wilderness, or like the big thing about, about wilderness therapy that makes it effective is that it gives you a, a sort of a, um, a spiritual awakening in a way, um, which, which means, which would I, I would say means, um, it really allows you to reflect on on yourself and your life and see it in a different light to be able to make a change in your life. And without like a program like wilderness therapy or um, some other tool to make that spiritual spiritual awakening happen, uh, happen, um, it's it's pretty hard to 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 make a big change and like um the the main thing is the person that is causing the problems or the person that is just like um maybe not making great decisions with their life uh has to be able to acknowledge that and want to make a change i think that's that's the biggest piece of it is just helping them to get to that point some people may need to hit rock bottom which is unfortunate but a lot of people who go through wilderness therapy uh come out on the other side and they're not they they relapse and they go back to the that habits that they were doing before a lot of my friends that are were uh in wilderness therapy or in uh in in my aftercare just aren't are not doing that well that's because they haven't had that full awakening or mm-hmm. spiritual awakening or some, something that where they're like, okay, I need to make a change. I want to thank each of you for so honestly sharing your stories and your thoughts today. This is tough stuff to talk about. We like everything to be great and beautiful and wonderful, and it's not always. And I think the more of us that share that reality and share our struggles, 
share tools that we have found have helped us, the better. There are no one size fits all answers. What worked for you, TJ, is not going to work for every struggling teen. The program that worked for you, uh, the programs that work for your families, it's not the answer for everybody. But listeners, we, all of us, I can sense, our hearts go out to you if you are struggling. We know how much you love your kids and we're with you. We send you our best thoughts. We send you light. We send you hope. We send you love. And most of all, we're so grateful that TJ is here with us and he is doing well today. And Jane, we send light and love to you and your son as he continues his healing and his process. I'm going to put as much information as I can in the show notes, some links to some helpful websites, because I want people to be able to access information if needed to find your own solutions to ask the questions. Thank you all for being with me today. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Thank you very much. While this episode may not be entirely pertinent for all of our listeners, we hope that you have learned the possibilities that are out there for support and know that maybe you have a friend or a family that is in the same position and is struggling and you can share this podcast with them. And as Jen said, check out the show notes. She's going to put a ton of resources in there for you. Another resource, you've heard it at the beginning, is Cozy, C-O-Z-I, that app that will allow you to organize your meals, stand in the middle of the grocery store going, what am I having for dinner tonight? Open the app and there are meal suggestions there along with the grocery list of the things you need to get. Maybe it's sports schedules, uh, the holidays coming up. All of that can be right there in the Cozy app with all of your family members connected so that you can be organized and have a overview of what everyone is up to. That's Cozy, C-O-Z-I. Look for it in your app store. Thank you for being with us. We are on boys, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. If you liked this podcast, please share it with a friend. Thank you.